and welcome to the Good Morning Mimosas podcast. I am your host, Cheryl Bear. This week's inspirational quote is people often ask the difference between a leader and a boss. The leader leads and the boss drives by Theodore Roosevelt. And I am genuinely excited to tie in this quote with a dear friend and mentor who I'm going to introduce in just one moment. But it is episode one of our leadership series. And welcoming today is Dr. Lane Harpine for the podcast for this entire series. Dr. Lane J. Harpine is a proven executive level leader with leadership and management expertise in adult and continuing education, workforce development, and organizational development. He is a skilled facilitator, trainer, and planner, while recognized as a successful executive administrator, innovative leader, and project manager. He has over 25 years of experience in both business and education with 15 years experience in higher education, serving in executive leadership positions as a director, dean, senior vice president, and chief educational officer of continuing education, in addition to extensive experience at top 10 Fortune 10 company as a business consultant and corporate trainer. He lives on Emerald Isle in North Carolina with his wife, Annette, who he has known his entire life. They have two beautiful children, Nathaniel and Amani. Mimosas, I would like to and proudly welcome Dr. Lane Harpine, who also happens to be a dear friend and mentor. Good morning, Lane. Good morning, Cheryl. My goodness, what an introduction. Thank you so much for that. It's such a pleasure to be with you here. Congratulations on your success of getting this launched. I'm so happy for you, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, I am excited for everyone to hear you discuss leaders and their environment because, and of course, I am biased in this regard, but I have, as many military spouses, I've worked many jobs and have had countless bosses, but you are truthfully a supervisor who was a leader who pushed me and challenged me to grow, not just as an individual, but as a leader and think and lead in a way that pushed me past where I thought my abilities <laughs> were at the end of. So jumping into this, I know you have some foundational principles. So would you mind jumping in and talking to us a little bit about leaders and their environment? Absolutely. So I think the first thing I would say for your audience that these principles that we're going to be discussing today, they apply as a leader of an organization or as a leader of a household, for instance. They are uh, applicable to all type of circumstances and situations. It, it's truly all about the effectiveness and the efficiency of operating in a certain way or accomplishing what it is that you're wanting to accomplish. Can that be left up to chance or by luck? Sure, that would be ridiculous. 
probably not the best approach either. There are some foundational principles that really need to be followed when you are in a position of leading others. And I think for me, the two most important key factors in leadership and my whole professional career, I, I've tried to implement these in every circumstance. And I was taught this early on by a mentor. And those two principles are trust and clarity. And that first one, Cheryl, trust that there's nothing more important than relationships inside an organization, inside of the function of leadership. And quite honestly, your greatest asset in any organization or group is its people. So those relationships are all the most or more so important when trying to accomplish what it is that you're trying to do. On the point of trust, to bring it back to when we were working together It was my first time as a people manager and being accountable for people. And one of the parts that terrified me the most was doing a good job. And I remember you discussing some concepts and some tools that I could use to help grow my team and grow them individually. But what was most important was getting to know them. And the tips that you gave me really set my team up for success because I had, you know, you trusted in me that I could make decisions. I was going to make mistakes, but I could fail forward. And in turn, that unwavering trust and faith in me, I was able to pour into my team. You know, they truthfully gelled and came together better and I mean, (laughs) surpassed any and all expectations that I dreamed for us um, as a team. And it it has worked wonders. Yeah, I, I think you bring up an important element of building trust with any one individual or with a group of people. It's all about getting to know one another, becoming comfortable with one another. And that is kind of hooked to time and experience. In many circumstances, there's this sense of understanding where a person's coming from. There's a lot of diversity in our world, (laughs) in our country, in our organizations that we may be functioning in and in the groups that we may belong to that we're trying to lead. We have to have a deeper understanding of what cross those individuals may be bearing or bringing to the table, what challenges, unique circumstances. There is a long litany of examples that could be brought up and getting to know someone and then helping be value added to that person could help solidify that whole trust. Establishing trust in the very beginning, what historically have you done as a way to kind of break that ice or maybe get to know them one-on-one? Putting a, a stake in the ground and getting everyone in the organization to buy into what it is that you're attempting to do is critical. Uh, and repeating that and people being able to observe you living into that is extremely important. I've said time and time again, you're only as good as your word right? Uh, It takes effort. It takes intentionality in building those relationships with those individuals. There's a variety of different strategies you could take uh, as simple as just inviting someone to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you and, and just ask a series of questions to build an understanding and a relationship between two people. But the proof's in the pudding. Trust then will lead to loyalty, lead to 
uh, leaning on someone, being able to depend on someone, knowing that they're there for you when you need someone to have your back. And for a leader, it's truly about building a safety net for someone to know they're going to be caught if they fall. Not caught to be in trouble, to be reprimanded, to be fired, but I got you. It's okay to make mistakes. The sense of failing forward, right? I I would much rather have a team member or a a subordinate or an employee that's going to attempt to do something. I'm not going to surround myself by a bunch of yes men or women that just merely will do whatever I tell them to do. That that's more the essence of a boss that we'll get into in just a moment. But leaders inspire, they motivate, they develop connection and excitement that you feel like you're you're part of something bigger than just you. That's important. And to develop that culture of a candid communication amongst all your members that will help avoid any misunderstandings or distrust, that intentionality and doing that purposefully from the very beginning, just as you said, in my mind, there's nothing more important than that. And I think one of the point in getting to know your team is also letting them get to know you, you know, and understanding where you stand, what your values, what your approach is, what your thought process is. So when you're having those beginning conversations with my team, I scheduled a meeting one-on-one with no other reason than just to hang out essentially and just talk what's important to you. Who do you consider family? And I, in turn, had a list of things that I wanted them to know about me. You know, off the bat, I have a dog and a cat and a husband and a little bit about my lifestyle and let them feel comfortable to ask me questions. And I think that really helped off the bat, you know, understand trust and then kind of bring forward where it is that how I guess how it is that I make decisions and my perspective of where I'm coming from. And even though I am their leader, at times we will disagree, but I'm depending on them to have my back. And just equally, if not more important, if it's four o'clock on a Friday and you have five hours left of work, let me know. And that's what I get paid the big bucks for. I'm going to go home and continue that work on the weekend because I'm also your teammate. I think a point that I would draw out from that would be not all things work for all people. It has to be authentic. And over the course of my many years, I've seen icebreakers being, you know, the whole book of 101 icebreakers to help build teams. Um, There's the whole Dale Carnegie piece of of winning friends and influencing people. There's all those types of strategies that can be used, but if it's not genuine, And when I say, let me give you a, for instance, you could walk in with a sheet that says, answer these 25 questions. Tell me your mom's maiden name. Where did you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? Did you play sport? Does that help build a relationship? Maybe, but it helps build an understanding of a person. But spending time, putting time into a person is important. And I would argue the same thing holds true inside our family home, putting time into our children and to our spouse of understanding, again, the challenges and and where they're coming from as you have a common goal to move something forward. The, The principles hold true for that or an organization. And then the second point of that clarity, what is it truly that as a group we're trying to accomplish here? And we all play a role in that. If we use a team analogy, and I know you come from a sports background as well, those five players on the basketball court all have a role to play. 
they all may be able to shoot the ball. They may all be able to dribble. Their abilities and skill sets may be different. And the positions that they're playing at the time may be assigned for a specific reason. Together in unison is where success comes from. If you have a gunner or if you have someone who's going rogue, it's going to be harder to achieve that type of success. So clarity in what it is you're trying to to, to accomplish and creating open and honest feedback into what's working, what's not working will help everyone feel like they're part of the conversation. They're part, they're connected to what it is we're trying to accomplish as a whole. This builds organizational trust, which in my mind is the fundamental basis of all relationships. And I think having that clarity with your team is so important for the trust that's established, but also keeping up that trust and bond with your team throughout the ups and downs of an organization or your personal relationships with your friends or your family members. Because what you say when there's no pressure and no stress, and this is what I believe, and this is what I stand for, and here's how I do things, Mm -hmm. watching someone live it out when the times get hard or it gets challenging, the individual or the leader standing true to those values and having that clarity in time of crisis, to me, wins over hearts and minds a hundredfold. Agreed. There is a systematic approach in organizations that maybe in a future podcast we could dig down into. But if you are developing let's say dreams that tie into mission, that ties into core values, that tie into action. Good leadership structure would allow individuals to develop their own tie to the mission of the organization. So what's my mission and my position that I'm currently in? Uh, What am I trying to accomplish? And how does that tie into the overall goals of this year for the organization? And then as a leader, you have check-ins. A check-in could be just merely a walk-by during the course of the week. Hey, Cheryl, how's it going on that da-da-da-da? Are you moving that thing forward? Can I help you in any way? Oh, great. Awesome. Or it could be more formalized where you have quarterly check-ins of performance evaluations and it's documented of progress with, with scorecard and measurables of are you or are you not meeting the mark? And how can resources be provided, support be provided to help you be successful? That's that safety net I was talking about before that should be built to help people feel safe and help lead them to the success that they're setting up for themselves. A leader merely is there to help guide and remove obstacles and support in any way that they can. And talking about that safety net, could you go ahead and discuss you kind of mentioned it earlier, but diving into being more than just a boss and explaining the safety net or maybe lack thereof a boss would have compared to a leader. Yeah, it's, it's a mistake that many make. And sometimes it's because I'm new to a position. I've never led anyone before. I've never had to tell people what to do. And we've seen it, Uh, we've seen it um, manifest itself into power trips or I'll just do what I say, you know, they're the boss, right? Um, Leadership. Unfortunately, I think every every mimosa on here is like, oh, yep. Has the <laughs> meeting in mind, they're having a flashback to that time, you know, in the office. We yeah. Have a face in our mind. <laughs> that person. Yeah. 
Um, just do as I say, just because I said, you don't need to know what just do it. Yeah, all that stuff, right? Um, it's anyone in my mind could, could be a boss. It, it's the, the whole idea of, hey, you, Cheryl, take that thing and move it from there and put it over there. Is there clarity in that? Is there direction in that? Could there be success in that? Absolutely. Is there opportunity for growth of relationship and deeper connection of, of what it is that we're attempting to do together? Yes, all that would be missing in that scenario. So again, I think we all have a role to play and it's more than just telling someone what to do. I know when I tried to piece my teams together and I've had teams that have been very small and I've had teams that have been in the hundreds that you are coordinating each of those departments or divisions or elements of the team that it's important that they understand the functionality of what it is that they're doing that the right hand then also knows what the left hand or this position knows how this other position functions together for the good of the whole the leader's role is to be overarching over top of that functionality, keeping it between the ditches, smoothing down the rough edges, making sure that clarity stays in the spotlight and that everyone is supported and have the resources to do what it is they're expected to do. I think it's so great that you bring up a leader's job is driving it back to that mission and like why we're here. You know, I think sometimes in a lot of organizations, everyone starts functioning almost in silos. And, you know, one of the phrases that I have a tendency of say, to say, um, you know, you can't have teamwork and be territorial. Those two just, you can't be a hundred percent in both of those and coexist. You need to function in your role, but then you still have to be able to be a team player and help the team accomplish the overall mission. And I think a leader kind of tying back that big picture and making sure that there's that good balance is so important. Yeah, I don't think in my mind, anything functions on its own accord. If it mm -hmm. does, it's, it's identified or defined as a special project and it lives on its own little thing, still connected to the mission of the organization or in some form or fashion, a piece of what we're doing. Because if it's not, we wouldn't be doing it. So it's got to connect somehow, but I think where people or individuals get hung up on the silos, I, yes, organizations will tend out of history, out of tradition, it's the easiest way to do it, or it's the way we've always done it, to function in these siloed areas that aren't connected, or they don't understand how it connects to the other parts of the organization. I think the thing I would point out with silos is if I'm responsible for something specifically in my role, in my position, and I am being impeded upon or restricted in some form or fashion from another area, from another position, then I need to get clarity from my, my boss, my supervisor, my leader, to help me understand where the rub is. It's the leader's responsibility then to, again, take off the rough edges, rearrange, restructure, because um, we're bumping up into something that we shouldn't be, and it's causing friction. People will recoil when they feel that and purposefully isolate themselves 
that can become problematic for an organization and become problematic for a leader. I will say on the point of clarity and in a leader's role in providing that, there's clarity of mission, there's clarity of our core values, there's clarity in what we're doing in terms of the task immediately at hand. But I think it's so important to state that it's also the leader's responsibility to provide clarity in value for the individual people, individual groups, Mm -hmm. and how they're all connected and important and explain how it all functions and harmonizes together. Oh, that is so true. And then under this section that we're talking about, about it's more than just being a boss. It's, uh, you know, leaders, they need to be back to the sports analogy, more of coaches with with a passion for Mm -hmm. developing people. Now, let me be clear on this. A passion for developing people, not players. So catch what I'm saying there. It's about taking Cheryl Bear and how to develop her as an integral part of a team through professional development, training, support, reinforcement, encouragement, mm, all that. Not using Cheryl Bear as a player to accomplish something or take something from point A to point B. You want to lose a team member quickly in terms of attitude or being demotivated or disengaged. That's a way to do it. Leaders should get their satisfaction from achieving these set objectives through others. It's not about the boss or the leader patting themselves on the back and saying, whoo, look at our numbers this year. Whoo, look at what all we sold this year. Mm-mm. It, it, it's about the success of achieving all those objectives through those that help carry the water. And what a leader should feel good about is providing what was needed for each and every one of those team members, each and one of those employees, each and one of those family members to help get our thing done in the house that needed to be done on Saturday, whatever we led through involvement and inclusion and supporting and providing resources to make it happen. That is such a phenomenal point and statement. And if you don't mind, I would like you to repeat that quote about leaders or coaches. Oh, you put me on the spot here. So the concept is that leaders are coaches with a passion, right? You got to have a passion with what you're doing. Um, That's where the motivation comes from. But it's about a passion for developing people not players and you know analogy of pawns on a chessboard when i think about this i actually think about one of my team members roy mm-hmm. um that used to be on my team and when i first came on board we had to change everyone from being salary and people would work all kinds of hours mm-hmm. and change their job positions to hourly So they had to work within the confines of 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And when that task came down, first off, I was in my mid-20s and Roy was a bit wiser than I was. Um, So coming off the bat, you know, being a young leader, having to explain, I know you've been doing it this set way your whole life, but we're going to change that. And the, I will say meltdown that happened in this meeting, there were lots of tears and some screaming and yelling um, that happened. And no, I just kind of, yep, 
I understand, you know, we use level 10 agendas, which we'll explain at a later time, but got a poor rating on that meeting and circled back with him and explained to him, you know, I saw I scored low on the meeting. What could I do? And when I got to the heart of it and, and discussed it with him, he said, first off, I'm so sorry. And I'm so embarrassed that I screamed at you in front of other people. And I said, everyone gets a pass and this is your one. Um, but then explaining that although this is different, we're going to get through it. And the example I gave, and I asked him to humor me, and he did, was to cross his arms. Mm. If you think about it right now, go ahead, cross your arms however you naturally would. And then I said, okay, now go ahead and cross your arms the other way. Literally, you go to do it. It's a little awkward. It's uncomfortable. You may have to think about it a little more, but you're able to do it. And that's how I explained to him, that's exactly what this transition is going to be like, and I'm going to help you through it. And fast forward a few months, he went to a, I believe it was his nephew's birthday party. And of course, is talking to his relatives, ragging on his new boss that came in here and changed the way they work. Yeah. And his cousin, I believe, turned him and, he's, and said, you know, Roy, this is the first time in your nephew's life you've been here for an entire birthday party. You've mm -hmm. always left early and, or you've always taken a work phone call and you've left. And for me, as a leader, that was one of those moments that I always reflect back on. And it was a hard change and a, it was an ugly beginning, but him having that family time and having a healthier work-life balance that he didn't quite have before, mm -hmm. one of the greatest accomplishments that to me is a, a far better accomplishment than any amount of dollar savings I could have made. Cheryl, that's gold. That, that's, that's where the stuff is. That, that's the learning moment. And obviously you've carried that with you now into your professional career. You know, it, it reminds me that, you know, leaders truly inspire people through it their shared vision and they create that environment that you're describing where people, they feel valued, but they also feel fulfilled as being a part of something greater than just them. Because more times than not, we selfishly only see it from our own perspective. It makes me think of, of a very quick story I want to share. And I wouldn't even plan on telling this story, it just popped into my head. So I was a young uh, whippersnapper as well, right out of undergrad. I was at Mobile Oil Corporation and I had 157 people that I immediately was supervising at a very young age. And I had some higher level mentors and people that were overseeing me at that time and were giving me advice. And uh, the advice was not to get too bent out of shape about making decisions that directly impact people. And I'm talking about big decisions, like firing someone. And at that time, part of my oversight was a, a paramilitary security structure. That was part of my responsibility of being on post at a certain time, whether it was a reception desk or at a gate or what have you. So there was a timeliness that, that was required and expected and absenteeism and all that just derailed the whole operations. And I'd not had any exposure to anything like that before. And I'm getting this advice that, hey, you can't take it all personal. And, you know, when when someone's not there, they have to be held uh, accountable and there's consequences and what have you. So the next thing I know, long story short, I'm finding this 40 some year old man at that time with a family of five kids and I'm letting him go because he can't show up to work on time in the morning. And that was impactful for him personally 
And it was a teachable moment for me personally. And what I took away from that is this whole relationship piece. I didn't invest enough time in him to get to know his story of what was causing him to be late that, in those mornings. And there was a variety of reasons of, a, uh, of one of his children that um, had special needs and there was other circumstances, a long list of, of those types of things. But it taught me that it's not always as cut and dry. So what you were describing about Roy and developing a trust and a loyalty by giving someone something that they may need to help them be successful, which may just be a little bit of time, a little bit of mercy, a little bit of grace, could be a kind word, whatever, that that can go miles in solidifying a strong relationship for a good leader and someone that they're leading. Circling back to the trust and clarity, in times when I have been successful, whether it was beating deadlines that have been given to me, exceeding expectations, or even creating a new concept to carry out when I wasn't, you know, the top person in charge of, of making it happen, the leaders who gave me the most clarity and believed in me and honestly made me feel invincible helped me accomplish all of those things. And it would not have been if it wasn't for that initial investment in me. I would have still looked at every supervisor like they were a boss yeah. and I wouldn't have had that loyalty and passion and drive to not just exceed expectations because I'm competitive and I like just being competitive and I like to win, but also so that I could help make my team look good, my organization look good, my company look good. That extra sense of pride and loyalty that you just don't get unless that initial investment comes in from your leadership. So true. It folds right into our next discussion point about, you know, a lot of leaders, they, they just want to be liked. So they err on the side of what we're describing of they'll give everything in the kitchen sink to their subordinate just to be liked, not for the good of the group, but just because, well, my life will be easier if, if, if this person likes me, right? Um, I, I want everybody on my team to, to like me and appreciate me. And those foundational principles we talked about at the very beginning of trust and clarity have to be in place to as building blocks to build off of that because it's not high school. It, it, it's not a popularity contest. <laughs> it, it, it's about relationships embedded in true realism of, of trust and clarity of what roles we're playing. And to your point, you know, while, while leaders, they, they oversee their team and, you know, true leaders take on these hard initiatives and they move the ball forward because that's what they're being paid to do. And that's the role they play. But putting and investing that time we've talked about into their team to be able to trust their employees to perform efficiently, effectively, and most importantly, independently, that I don't have to hold your hand. I don't have to micromanage you. There's a buzzword for you. Everyone, wants, everyone likes to talk about micromanaging. You know, I don't have to do any of that because I trust you. You know, I've got your back. If you've got to have an obstacle removed or you need propped up or something is in your way or you, 
You need something you don't have. It, that's my role as a leader to get those things for you to be successful, to help you operate independently because you're doing a function. You're doing something in a position that I'm not paid to do. No one else is paid to do. That's your job. That's your role. And me playing the game of gotcha or me playing the game of smacking your hands when you do something wrong or you're falling out you know, of the ditch right or falling out of the ditch left. Mm -mm. Let's describe where the highway of success is. Let's be on this thing together. And then just like our quote says, it's, it's about leading the journey, but I, it's not necessarily driving. I, I don't have to do the functionality of driving the car. I may have someone in a position driving the thing for me as a project manager, as a lead in that special functionality. And at the end of the day, I want to give them the recognition and the praise for doing that. It's not about Lane. It's not about Cheryl as a leader saying, hmm, look what I accomplished with my team. We, are, <laughs> we all play a role in that. And, you know, that sense of clarity and, and providing that highway of success for people, if a leader does a good job clarifying the parameters ahead of time, then their team will always succeed unless independently they choose not to care and use, use their own initiative. Staying on that metaphor. So yes, you got to know where your exit ramps are. You need to know your speed limits. You need to know when you caution sign, road work ahead. All those things come into play on, on that. Uh, and, and having the set standards talking about providing that clarity, whether it's professionalism, like certain professional standards, what is acceptable or what behaviors may not be acceptable to an organization, stating them clearly what those standards are and then maintaining them as a leader because waffling on them because they just want to be liked. I'm doing air quotes for everyone that's just listening. <laughs> what bosses don't necessarily always realize is by not holding someone accountable to those standards, they may feel better of, oh, I got a warning, that's great. But the message you're sending to everyone else is that this line of clarity doesn't matter. And this point of professional standards doesn't matter. And it can honestly demotivate other people on the team who witness it because going back to, you know, living out your values and your leadership, you know, what you stand for, what you believe in and how you make decisions. When it comes hard, it could be a great employee that maybe, hey, they bring in X amount of dollars they're the highest producer in the organization. But if they don't maintain professional standards, there's a lot more toxicity below the water in that iceberg. Oh, and it's man. a leader's job to pull that out, not just to maintain the line and standards, but to help preserve all the other people that are affected that at a leadership level, you may not, I mean, hopefully if you're a leader, you see it, but at a boss's level, you may not even see and know about. Oh, Shirley, but you have hit some great content there. Um, yes. My points that I would make to that would be first, it is the leader's job to ensure that that understanding is there. Where is that bar set and why is it set there? And that's the expectation. It's my job as the leader to help the whole group achieve and be at that standard and for you personally to rise and be at that standard. And 
investing time and effort and communication, clear communication um, and back and forth, it's not easy and it's hard and the, the debates and the misunderstandings and it's all of that. But if you navigate your way through those conversations at the end of that, you will have an employee that is clear with what the expectations are and how to rise to the occasion. And by it's the whole adage of the tide rises and brings all the boats in the harbor with it, right? So you can bring that whole organization up with it by never lowering your standards for one versus another, that it remains consistent for everyone. And here are the reasons why. These are our core values that they're uncompromising. We, we don't bend those for anyone. And if they don't fit for you, then let's talk about how to give you a soft landing, an exit strategy. And that's okay too, because maybe it's not the right fit. And then as a leader, you have, I would argue, a responsibility to help someone have a soft landing or to find exit stage left, where that may be. Jim Collins talks about the whole bus concept, right? And good to great. It's a, you got to get the right people on the bus. And then when you get them on the bus, you got to make sure they're right on the right seats, right? In the right, right area of the bus and people aren't sitting on each other's laps and there's open seats and all that. Well, there are those people that need to be exited off the bus and to help them off safely. That's what good leaders do. And that's okay. Those are hard conversations. I had a an assistant basketball coach that said the worst decision is indecision. Uh, and yeah. for leaders, I know sometimes when a hard topic or conversation or instance is ahead, you may want to push it off and you may want to address it yes. at a later time, at an easier time, maybe when things calm down, maybe after this fundraiser, after this big event at work. But what you're really doing is sending a message of how a prompt you address something also shows how much you actually care and believe in a policy or a standard that you're trying to maintain or not. And all of that resonates with the team members who are standing by watching. And if I'm not consistent or if I'm not true to my word or if I've led someone to believe something about my style or approach that I'm not demonstrating, all of that erodes away at that loyalty of that trust that we were talking about. I have an obligation to do that for the good of my team. And it doesn't have to be mean spirited. It doesn't have to be a finger in the eye. It's necessary. It's necessary on, on, on those occasions. And by not doing it, it's speaking volumes to the rest of your team. Absolutely. Well, we are up for our time today, but Lane, I just want to thank you. And um, do you have any final words for this week's episode on leaders and their environment? If I could leave your audience with one tidbit or a best practice. It's something that I've tried to do um, during the course of my uh, professional career. And it was a, a little nugget that was given to me way back when, and it, it's a good one. So it's about catching uh, an employee doing something great. Great, great people do great things. And we're not always out and about to do that. But when we see it, if you can acknowledge it on the spot, do that. There's no greater sound than a person's name to say, man, Cheryl, you're doing a great job. You kill it. 
I heard you on that phone conversation with our customer and man, there's no way they're not going to come back all that. Right. But here's the other thing as a leader, as a manager, as a supervisor on Sunday evening, when the doors are shut and there's no, you know, they're not in the office, call your employee and leave a message and just say, Hey, Cheryl, this is Lane. You know, when, when I walked by your cubicle on Tuesday, I saw you interfacing with John and was troubleshooting that thing. And I heard what you said and you connected it to the, the values of this company and you gave a solution and that was great. You met, you're making a difference. I'm so glad you're on my team. I'm so glad you're a part of what we're doing. I'm so glad you're here. If there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. I appreciate you. I'll see you on Monday. I've heard examples of people keeping those voice messages for years. It's the whole idea of if you handwrite a note, you'll see them in businesses and organizations. They'll tape them to the wall. It could just be something as simple. Hey, thanks. I appreciate the customer service. And it would be there for years. It matters how we interact with people, what we say to people, the relationships that we build matter. And I am one of those people. I have a folder in my desk that says, I love me, is, is I heart me actually. Awesome. And anytime I get an email or a note or something from a friend, a family member, a customer, a volunteer, I print it out and I put it in this folder for when we move or travel, or if I have a hard day, I yeah. pull that out and I remind myself my why and why it's all worth it. So for all the mimosas listening out there, I hope um, you take Lane's challenge up and you go ahead and make those phone calls, leave those notes because your words and actions are making an impact. And Lane, we will see you next week for our episode two of the leadership series, which is leaders know their team and themselves. And just to circle back for all the mimosas on the quote of the day, it is by, again, Theodore Roosevelt, and it is people often ask the difference between a leader and a boss. The leader leads and the boss drives. Well, thank you all for listening in with us today. As a leader, it is your responsibility to establish goals, innovate, motivate, and trust. If you have any examples of this, we would absolutely love to hear it from you. Please follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Mimosas, our website at thebravebear.com slash GMM, or shoot us an email at goodmorningmimosas.podcast at gmail.com. You never know what a like or share will do. So please feel free, share this with your friends family, or anyone who could use a spark of joy on Wednesday mornings. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. Cheers, mimosas.